You're listening to episode 10 of Brave and Boss, the podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to give you some pretty concrete steps to becoming more visible as the founder and CEO of your business. If just saying that made you uncomfortable, then I think this episode is definitely worth listening to. Even if you're not ready to put yourself out there, it's a great way to set yourself up for success in the future, for making yourself a little bit more front and center in your brand. All right, let's go. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me on Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of Encircled, as well as the host of this podcast and a passionate e-commerce coach as well on my own, as well as in B-School, which is Marie Forleo's program, which is on right now. Um, And today's episode is all about the exact steps you need to take to be more visible as a founder slash CEO slash boss in your business. And I think this is a topic that scares particularly a lot of female founders because in my client work, I've come across quite a few founders who don't want to be seen in their business, whether it's that they don't feel like they resonate with their ideal customer or that maybe they're shy and a bit introverted. The one thing I can tell you is that Connecting emotionally with the person behind the business is like pretty important at a small business stage. It's not the most important thing by any means, but I found that like when a customer can really get to know your brand and get to know your story and start to really feel connected with you, you know, they're more inclined to support you. Um, They really want to cheer you on, especially if you're serving a female customer and you're a female yourself. There's a lot of like woman power behind that. So I can tell you that when I first started out, I'll tell you a little bit about my background if you're not familiar, but you know, when I first started my fashion line, I was working full time as a management consultant. And actually I was on the press role for the management consulting firm. So I would comment in articles and I would um, sometimes do videos and stuff like that and as a retail expert for this consulting firm. Now, when I started my business, I did not want to be seen at all. And number one, because I had my full-time day job and I didn't really want them thinking that I was out there promoting this business and I wasn't serious about my job because I wasn't really 100% sure if this thing would fly. And I don't know if you've been in that situation where you're kind of managing your side hustle with your full-time job, it's a little bit of a precarious balance, right? You want to be respectful to your employer who pays your salary, but you also want to grow your business and you don't want to hamper that in any way. So what I decided to do, and I don't necessarily recommend this to people, but I'm just being full disclosure here, transparency, is that I changed my last name. So I worked off of my mom's maiden name in press for my business, and then I used my obviously my legal name in press for, um, you know, when I was working in consulting 
that's a little bit of a weird thing to do. I don't know going back if I would do that again, but it, it was a little challenging because my management consulting firm had, you know, alerts out. So they would get alerted when there was new press in Google about me and stuff like that. So I was trying to kind of keep my side hustle on the down low, let's say. Um, so I was definitely not out there trying to be super visible because I just really didn't want to be number one. And number two, it's not something that comes naturally to me. So people who see me today think, wow, you're really comfortable on camera and you're really good at speaking on podcasts and on stages and stuff like that. But I was definitely not like that. If you've read any of my posts on my personal Instagram, which is at Christy Sumer, I talk a lot about the evolution of me being more comfortable in my own skin. It has been a challenge. I'm not sure if you're like me, but I'm an extroverted sorry, an introverted extrovert. So that means by Myers-Briggs, I'm an extrovert, but I also, um, I would say I get a lot of replenishment when I'm alone. Like I really enjoy being alone. I really love people and I feel fueled by it, but I need a lot of recovery time if I spend a lot of time with a lot of people. So I'm not naturally the most outgoing person, although I am very comfortable in social situations and stuff like that. But I've always struggled a little bit with my confidence, especially as a kid. I grew up in a household where my parents were pretty, they were pretty hard on me. I was a competitive athlete. I was a really great student, but they both, I think, suffered from perfectionism. So nothing was ever really good enough. So if I brought home, you know, a paper and I got a 90, my parents would be like, where's the other 10%? If I, you know, uh, was on my hockey team and I scored a goal, they'd be like, why didn't you score three? So I lived in this kind of sphere where I never felt like good enough. So when I started my own business, I felt like that played into it quite a bit because I really struggled with my confidence and feeling good enough and getting over those kind of fraudy feelings, which a lot of us do feel, feeling like we're not the expert and we can't really be that person. So if you're feeling any of those things, know that it's totally normal. Um, There's a lot of work you can do on your own or with like a therapist or a coach to work through some of those feelings. But for me, one of the most transformational things I ever did was doing a solo photo shoot. Now, I know that sounds a little insane, but a friend of mine who's now like a super famous Instagrammer, um, Anna with Love, she redid my headshots way back in 2013. So that's like seven years ago now. And at the time I was still working full time. So she was actually reshooting my headshots for um, my consulting job, but we decided to do headshots for um, my fashion business. And those were definitely a little bit more um, fun and flirty and also for my consulting business, my coaching business. So one of them, you know, I had like my persona for encircled, I was wearing all encircled stuff. And then the other one, I was definitely more like, you know, coachy for my coaching business. And the other one, I was in like a serious business outfit. And I am at that time, I would say I'm, I was not comfortable on camera. I did not like it. Um, I'd come out of a somewhat emotionally abusive relationship, like a few years before where I, you know, he would tell me, you know, I need to work out that I was looking a little chubby and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I didn't love being photographed, but Anna really taught me how to pose in photos. She really encouraged me and made me feel amazing. And the photos are phenomenal. Um, and I say that and I sound like an, a bit of an a-hole saying that, but I think I look really beautiful and I didn't realize I could feel comfortable and look beautiful and feel like I was standing in my power on camera. 
So if you've never had a solo photo shoot, I definitely recommend it. Um, and also I think it's kind of required because we'll talk about how, how you can use that um, in becoming more visible as a founder. So the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do, especially if you're not really out there right now as a founder or CEO in your business, um, is put yourself out there on social. So oftentimes as solo founders, we are writing the social media posts on Instagram and Facebook, but nobody knows who's actually writing it. So why don't you sign your post or say, start off your post with, Hey, it's me so-and-so writing this post. I'm the founder of XYZ brand. Letting people know that you're like, there's like a real person behind this business. It sounds really cheesy, but some of those posts are the best performing posts we ever do on our Instagram feed because people feel connected. They realize it's not just some like robot who's posting through later.com about like the brand's, you know, new features of their product. It's a real human being. You can also use Instagram stories. I think that's a great way to connect with your ideal customer. So you can just get on there and don't overthink it. Don't get like your makeup done. I I don't think you need to go too extreme with this. Just get yourself in some good lighting, maybe use a filter if you feel it and come on once a week and talk about something that's going on in your business. When I first started, I would talk about new products coming up. I would get on Facebook Live or Instagram Live when we launched a product and answer questions and talk all about it. And yeah, there wasn't like thousands of people watching that, but there were, you know, maybe one time 30 people, next time like 40 people. Um, so it builds. So it's something you kind of have to practice. Putting yourself out there is like working out a muscle. You really have to just keep trying and doing it over and over again, and you just get stronger every time you do it. The next thing I'm going to suggest is putting together a press kit for your brand. If you don't have a press kit already, uh, this is, I would say, an essential thing. It's a little bit old school, but I find a lot of brands, um, media and editorials still want to see stuff like this. So a press kit is essentially a summary of your business. It has links to your logo files, um, you know, on and off model photography, um, background on your pricing, who you are, where you started, where have you been seen, all that kind of stuff. Um, in Zorkold, we did one. It needs a little bit of updating, but yeah, it's a fairly long document. I mean, I think it's about 20 pages or something like that, but it's a good primer on the brand. And in that press kit, you definitely want to include a page about yourself as the head boss lady or whatever you call yourself in your business. You definitely want to have your bio in there. So how did you become interested in the business? What do you look like? Include a photo. You know, where, where did you grow up? Like, what did you study? What makes you so passionate about doing what you do? Um, and where have you been seen before in press, et cetera, et cetera. Now that probably feels a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's a great starting point because it's like hidden in a PDF, I would say on your website and you can upload it as a file, um, through a hyperlink on your Shopify site. Hey all, it's Christy. I am interrupting this episode because we have our very first ad. And I know ads are very controversial for people, but at the end of the day, this podcast wouldn't exist without me having my lovely editor, Shania, do all of my editing and she's not free. So I actually pay money to get this podcast out there because I just don't have the time to do it anymore. And I really want to offer, you know, all this value I can give you in each episode. So we're doing, we're going to start doing some selective ads, but just know that I don't promote stuff that I don't support and that I wouldn't personally use. Um, so stay with us. And after that, the show will return. 
This episode is sponsored by Trista. So recently I did an episode on simplifying your business processes. Well, we've teamed up with a new tool to help simplify business communications called Trista. I don't know about you, but I only have my cell phone in my business. So having my cell phone number on packages and on domain names means I get a lot of unrequited text and phone calls that I really don't want. I also don't want to have a second phone because that's annoying too. And there's a lot of cost to that. So meet Tresta. It's a business phone app for your iPhone or Android that allows you to activate a business phone number instantly and make and receive unlimited calls and texts right from the smartphone you already use. Tresta comes equipped with a powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, and user groups. It's easy to configure so you can set up everything and customize your call flows based on your business needs. It's the best phone system for small businesses and entrepreneurs and will really help you maintain your privacy, which is something super important. Nothing's worse than having Canada Post uh, a customer call me randomly in the night because Canada Post didn't deliver the package or um, somebody from LinkedIn reaching me through the domain and offering me Facebook ads on my vacation. So enact that privacy. Try out Tresta. We've got a great offer for you. It's just $15 per user per month and comes with a 30-day free trial. So you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system would be right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com slash boss. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com slash boss. The next thing I'm going to recommend is if you're feeling comfortable with that, take yourself out of the shadows and put yourself on the about page. This is a big struggle. I've worked with a number of e-commerce brands where I went on their about pages and I had no idea who was running this business. And not that it matters, but it kind of does. When there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of businesses competing in your niche or selling similar products, you know, if you go on a website and you just see this like very generic about page that has nothing that sticks out or emotionally connects, then you just move on. And it also, I would say showing yourself and your business on your about page helps build trust because people realize there's a person behind this. It's super easy for anybody to build like a drop shipping website and just import stuff from China and ship, not even touch the product and ship it out. But what takes a lot of work is manufacturing and making product and marketing and designing product. So a lot of people who listen to this podcast, I know that's what you do. So include yourself on the about page. You know, if you're not super comfortable, you don't have to put yourself at the top, but put a little bio at the bottom. You can just kind of lift off what you've done in your press kit and put it on there. Things you want to cover off, I think, on your bio is like why you started the business, what makes you so passionate about it, um, where to find you on social media, and you know if you feel like including what you do in the business, if you work with other team members, etc. I'm on Encircled's um, about page, and we're working on actually a team page because we're actually going to showcase our team on our website as well going forward. So I think that's a great starting point for anybody who's really feeling. Like, I'm not sure if I should be out there. The answer is yes, you should be out there. (laughs) All right. So the next kind of level up from that, I would say, is getting yourself out there for interviews in the internet sphere. What kind of interviews can you do? Well, you could have somebody interview you on their blog, and that could be like a phone interview or something like that where they take notes, or they could just send you questions and you can answer them. That's oftentimes a little bit more comfortable for people if they're just starting out, so you can have time to think about your answers. 
You could also do a podcast interview. Oftentimes we get pitched uh, for people wanting to have me on their podcast, but you can definitely go out there and pitch people to get onto their podcast as well. That's something we're thinking about doing too. Um, and that's a great way to increase your reach for your brand, build brand awareness and position yourself as the founder and CEO and the expert in your category. If you are super comfortable, you could do, you know, a TV interview. That is definitely the next level. And I've been on TV maybe like 15 times or something like that. And it's a whole different ball of wax for sure. A podcast interview, you can sit in your bathroom or your closet in your comfy PJs, but a TV interview, you need like hair and makeup and you need prep. It's a lot of work. I actually don't do a ton of these anymore because they just take up so much time. Um, and potentially you have to hire models, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think it's great for you to practice doing these. So if you get an opportunity to do this, or if you have a local TV station in your area, pitch yourself. It's great practice. And it's good to have as like a reel on your website where you can talk about, you know, where you've been seen and stuff like that. Something about TV, but customers love seeing brands on TV. It makes you feel more legit. And I will say from being on TV, you know, a lot of people watch us on TV and it's not like our sales go up a thousand percent. That's not what happens, but it is good brand credibility. So if you're feeling super bold, that is a great next step for an interview is to pitch yourself to the local TV stations and get out there. A level up from that, or maybe I would say equivalent for getting more visible is to start doing speaking gigs. Now, positioning yourself as an expert in the industry is very uncomfortable for people I mean, I felt it too, for sure. I don't come from the fashion industry, yet I'm out there speaking about sustainable fashion all the time through what I've learned. I also speak about e-commerce, um, that I definitely have more of a foundational background in, but it's definitely uncomfortable. This is where a lot of those quote unquote fraudy feelings come up because we start to feel like, who am I to speak about this? Doesn't somebody else know more than me? Aren't people going to think I'm a bit of a smart, smart ass for saying these things? Like, But that's just like your inner critic kind of like chipping away at you. And you have to really learn to silence that voice because we're all experts in something, you know, whether you make soap or, you know, you make a ready to eat food product or you make wine or you make clothing or shoes, like you are an expert in your own business at where you are at that stage. And this is something I've had to work on so much, guys. So if you're feeling like this, it's totally normal. I work on fraudy feelings all the time. I was just talking to a potential coach that I might work with about this. And um, I was saying, because I'm working on an online course right now, and I was saying, she was like, well, why, why haven't you done more online courses? And I said, well, I just don't feel qualified. And she's like, but you write content for one of the biggest course providers in the world. How do you not feel qualified? I'm like, I don't know. Like factually, I'm... F- for sure qualified. I've been in this industry forever. Like I've been in business for a long time, almost 20 years now. Um, but you know, self-sabotage is real. We're really good at like talking ourselves down from things. So I would encourage yourself to talk yourself up. So you can start super small with speaking gigs. A good place to start is meetup.com. Join a few of those groups and pitch yourself as somebody who will come speak to the group you know, pick a topic, something relevant. You could tell your startup story. You could share, you know, how you figured out how to make X, Y, Z. Start pitching yourself out there. And the more speaking you do, 
um, the more you'll start to see momentum behind it and stuff will kind of just come out of the woodwork. So a lot of speaking I do is for free. I never get paid. Um, now I get paid for travel and stuff like that. And I'm starting to request speaking fees for sure. If it's like a longer engagement or a keynote, et cetera. Um, but you got to start small. You know, there's no shame in speaking to a room of like 10 women or something like that. That's great. You're helping those 10 women. And I think a great person to look at for inspiration in this space is Rachel Hollis. She's on Instagram at Miss Rachel Hollis. If you find her um, video made for more, it's her documentary. I think it's on Amazon Prime in the US. Um, you may be able to Google it and find it because I think she has a link on Vimeo to it. Um, she started off just speaking to like senior citizens. Like she would go to like community centers and now she's like on Tony Robbins stage and like having her own. I was at her event in November and she had 7,000 small business owners. So you got to start somewhere. So start small, start doing those speaking gigs, put links to where you've done speaking on your website, your own personal brand website or your um, brand's website and go from there. The next way you can become more visible in as a founder in your business is to write emails in first person. So write your email newsletter in first person, if, especially if you're a solo founder and you are actually the only person in your business right now working, there's no shame in like calling that out and saying that you are. I actually still write our emails in first person and I'm legitimately the one writing it, even though I have a team um, who's like maybe editing it or doing the design for it. But whenever we launch a new product, I've just found it's really effective for me to talk about why I designed it, where the idea came from, um, the inspiration, all that kind of stuff. And it adds that nice element of personalization. And I've been doing this since we started the brand, um, just because it was just me when I started. And I feel like our customers can emotionally connect with that because they feel like there's a real person behind this. Oftentimes we get people responding and the responses actually go to our customer love department and they'll be like, they'll forward to me in the messages or they'll post them in our Slack channel. Um, but people really feel like they're talking to you, which I see the messages. I'm not always personally responding to them, but, um, try to see how you could use that. Maybe it's not in product launches. Maybe you write like a weekly love note to your customers about what's going on in your brand. You know, there's a lot of things you can do here, but I believe in personalization in your emails isn't just about like putting that person who you're writing to's name in the header. It's about how you can add that personal element by infusing yourself into your brand as well. Okay, so that leads perfectly into the last step I think you need to take to become more visible as a founder in your business is to create your own personal brand. Now, this is another one where it starts to feel really uncomfortable for people, but I suggest every founder should have their own website, whether it's their own name as their URL. So you've been to braveandboss.com, but if you go to christysumer.com, it redirects there because I bought my own name a long time ago because I didn't want somebody to buy it and then try and sell it back to me for like $50,000. Um, but it's important to own your brand online. Even if you just buy a URL and you have a one pager on the internet that says like, you know, um, Janet is the founder of XYZ brand. You can find her information here and here's her social links. That's all you have to put up there. Or if you want to get more advanced, you can have a list of where you're speaking or some of your press, all that kind of stuff, but own your space on the internet or else somebody's going to own it for you. And you get the chance to craft your own story and create your own personal brand. And I think that's pretty important. And I think as product-based business owners, 
because um, when you're running a service-based business, if you are a Amy Porterfield or you know, you're hosting a podcast or um, Marie Forleo or like all these people who are in that kind of like service-based coaching business, of course they're front and center. Of course they are. That is their whole business. But I think the missed opportunity is when I don't see founders doing this on the product-based business side. Because just like in a service-based business, you're selling to people and people connect with humans and you are a human. So put yourself out there as much as you feel comfortable with. And then again, start with baby steps, start with where you are and go from there. So in summary, these are my recommendations for the exact steps to become more visible as a founder. So start off by putting yourself out on social, whether it's writing a post a week or doing an Instagram story behind the scenes. These types of content do really well because customers love a little sneak peek. Number two, put together a press kit and include yourself and your bio in that press kit because that's really important for setting the stage for who you are, why you do what you do, and a little bit more about you. Number three, put yourself up on your about page. That is one of the most visited pages on your website, no doubt. So you want to have a little bio on there. If you're not comfortable putting it at the top, put it at the bottom and talk about your why and talk about how to connect with you. Number four, get out there for interviews, be it a podcast, a blog, a TV. Position yourself as an industry expert in your niche because you are, by just making a product, putting it out there and running a business, you are somebody's inspiration. Trust me on that. I hear it all the time that I'm inspiring somebody and I'm always like, oh my God, how could I inspire somebody? But of course I can. I'm running a seven-figure business and somebody who's doing $50 a month right now is thinking I'm like, I'm like, the Mark Cuban for them. You know what I mean? Whereas like, I'm looking up to somebody who maybe might think the same thing. So like, there's always somebody ahead of you and there's always somebody behind you who you can help. Number five, start doing speaking gigs. So get yourself out there at meetups and networking events and put yourself on a stage. The easiest way to do this, I didn't mention this, is panels. Panel discussions are super low key. Um, the questions are usually pretty softball. Um, I would say the audience questions sometimes are a little trickier, but put yourself out there. And once you're comfortable, do your own keynote. That would be so cool. Okay. And number six, write down your emails in first person. So start connecting with your customers one-on-one through that email channel, figure out how you can integrate yourself into some of those communications. And last but not least, create your own personal brand, seize the day, get your own URL on the internet, set up a basic page and start showcasing who you are and what you do and why there is so, so much power in that. Thank you so much for listening. And if this resonated, I'd love to hear feedback from you guys on this episode. I always take suggestions for episodes from my Instagram followers. So hit me up at Brave and Boss and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.